Okay, so there's a public holiday coming up in Malaysia in a few days' time, and it's called Hari Raya Haji. Is that right? Or Hari Raya Idol Adha. And I didn't know this, but actually it has its roots in Abraham. You know how during this particular celebration, Muslims will sacrifice a cow or a bull or a goat. And uh, this actually goes back to the time when Abraham was called to sacrifice his son. And I, I didn't know that. Actually, someone told me this just uh, yesterday and I realized, hey, uh, I should know this. <laughs> But I find it really interesting. So what I'm looking at is the Wikipedia entry uh, for Idol Adha, which means holiday of sacrifice. You know, the meaning behind this holiday, this big celebration that happens once a year in the Muslim calendar. And it's called here the second and the biggest of the two main holidays celebrated in Islam. It's a very big deal. And the biggest one is called Idol Fitri. That's the one that most of us are um, familiar with. That's the one that happens after the fasting month and they have this big celebration. But did you know that there's this other one which commemorates the sacrifice of Abraham? And it says here, it honors the willingness of Ibrahim, uh, Abraham, to sacrifice his son Ishmael as an act of obedience to Allah's command. Ah, how about that? Now, Jewish people believe that it was Isaac that God called Abraham to sacrifice, but Muslims believe that it was Ishmael. And so already there's a difference there. Uh, before Ibrahim could sacrifice his son, however, God provided him with a lamb, which he was supposed to kill in his son's place because of his willingness to sacrifice his own son in the name of God. So in the end, God actually provided a substitute, provided this sacrifice for his son. So really there is this concept of atonement, of a replacement sacrifice in, uh, well, Muslims' understanding of the sacrifice, but also in the Jewish scriptures where something dies instead of Abraham's son. Um, reading on, in commemoration of this intervention, animals are ritually slaughtered. One third of the meat is consumed by the family which offers the animal, while the rest of the meat is distributed to the poor and the needy. And I think this is right. You know, I, I actually, actually, you know, I, I've never actually been to one of these celebrations. I've only seen it on TV and stuff. Uh, have, you, have you ever been to one of those? And I, I think what happens on the day is that a very big animal is sacrificed and kind of like the meat is shared, especially amongst the poor. Uh, but it says here that one third is kept by the family and the rest is given away to those who are poor. So it's meant to be um, kind of like uh, a, an act of charity, an act of sacrifice for God, but also benefits those who are poor. So it's a good thing, it's a good thing. It's, a, it, it's something that's um, meant to benefit others. Uh, sweets and gifts are given and extended family members are typically visited and welcomed. The day is also called uh, the Greater Eid, Greater Eid. Yeah, yeah that, that's really interesting. I, I, I did not know that. I was, I'm very embarrassed uh, to not see the connection between Abraham and Ibrahim um, and um, his sacrifice in the Old Testament. 
now Christians and Jews believe that Abraham was commanded to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, they believe it was Isaac, his firstborn, and not Ishmael. But the same lesson applies in both of these stories. Abraham was obedient to God's command, and he was even willing to sacrifice his one and only son. And I think the, the big question that's in my mind when you think of this story is that should we do this today? <laughs> you know, imagine God telling you to sacrifice your son. Should you obey that? You know, even if it is God telling you to do this. You know, isn't this kind of like dangerous? Isn't this how you raise religious fanatics? And isn't this kind of like dangerous uh, line of thinking that whatever God tells you to do, even if it is something that involves uh, harm towards someone else, you should do it. And if your answer is no, then you know what's the point? What's the point of the story? And um, yeah, it, it's kind of a question, isn't it? I mean, what's the lesson? What's the point of this celebration of Abraham called to sacrifice his son? You know, is that something that only happened then, or is there something that we're meant to apply to today in terms of our willingness to obey God's word to us today? And I thought what I'd do is I'll just kind of quickly run through again uh, the story in uh, the Bible about how the Bible presents this and see if there's a lesson for us as Christians, because I'm a Christian and I want to learn how uh, this story applies to me today, especially in light of Jesus Christ. So this is Genesis chapter 22 uh, and verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Uh, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So there you go. There you go. I mean, God actually tells Abraham, go to this mountain, sacrifice your son there. And it's called a test. It's like God is testing Abraham. I guess testing his obedience, testing his willingness to do whatever God tells him to do. And again, the question is, um, if God tested us, you know, um, well, should we do this? <laughs> um, and I guess my first answer is yes. Yes. I, I think the answer is yes, because you see Abraham's answer is, here I am. And there's a kind of willingness, a kind of readiness for him to respond to God's word. You know, if God says this, he'll do it. You know, no questions asked. No matter how difficult or inconvenient, you know, Abraham has a kind of posture, you know, here I am. It's kind of like, you remember, imagine a teacher calling uh, out attendance uh, before school, you know, are you here, Abraham? He said, yep, yes, I am. And then whatever God says, he will do. You know, he's almost waiting for God to speak to him and then he'll do it. So not the full answer yet, but at least the first initial application and answer for us as Christians, as Christians, is that, you know, if it's God, if it is a word, we should do it. Yeah. And it goes on, verse three. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood. <laughs> Imagine that he's a hundred and 10 years old, this old guy, you know, the queen in England is only 96 years old. Mahathir is only about the same age as well. But I can't imagine them getting up and cutting wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Now it says that he had two servants, 
he had his matai, he had his servants, he could have asked them to do this. But no, 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 no. You know, Abraham had this posture again. God told me to do this. I will get it done. I will chop the wood. I will pack the sandwiches. I will do what God is telling me to do. And I think, again, that first application, just point one, is that yes, no, should we do everything that God tells us to do? Yes, because it's God's word, because it's God. Imagine if God telling us personally, directly something to do something, we should be well, ever ready to say, yes, you know, I want to do God's will. And I think that's kind of like the challenge. You know, most of the time, Christians or anyone really, you know, they want to know what is God's will. You know, does God want me to do this job, get married to this person, go to this place, you know, do this amazing thing, be a missionary, that kind of thing. We want to know the what. But sometimes we should be working on the will. You know, I want to do God's will such that I think God sees that readiness, God sees that obedience, and then God speaks to us. So just kind of like a challenge, you know, those of us who want to know God's will. Well, if God told you His will, would you do it? <laughs> would you be willing? Yeah, I, th I think that's a question you could answer right now. You know, would you be, do you have that kind of heart? You know, before ever knowing what it is, do you actually have a posture before the Bible, before God's word, before God as our master to say that I am your servant, I'm here to do your will? And hopefully that first point again, yes, yes, we should be willing and ready to do God's will. Okay, secondly, uh, let's pick up verse uh, four. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So they've been traveling for three days and he looks up and says, oh wow, you know, I'm almost there where, to the place where I'm supposed to sacrifice Isaac. Verse five, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with a donkey. I and a boy will go over there and worship and come back to you again. <laughs> so confident. You know, we're going to go there, but both of us are going to come back. So what's going on in his mind? He's supposed to sacrifice his son, but already he's saying, we're going to be back. Expect us. Uh, verse six, and Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took it took in his hand the fire and a knife. So they both, uh, they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, and he said, here I am, my son, <laughs> 110 years old. But interesting, here I am, you know, he said the same thing to God. He says the same thing to his son, here I am. That's kind of like a readiness to answer anything and everything that is asked of him, here I am. And he said, behold, Sorry, his son says, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Good question, right? I mean, Isaac, even though he's young, understands that there's something missing, something that needs to be there, but it's missing from this uh, worship service. Which is essentially what it is. You know, worship before God involves a sacrifice. But there is no sacrifice, there is no lamb. Something needs to die so that we can live and come before God, uh, that who is holy. And you know, something needs to take our unholiness, something needs to take our judgment so that we can stand before God and not die before Him because He's holy and we're not. 
And how does Abraham answer his son, you know, this question? You know, where's the sacrifice? He didn't say, you are the sacrifice. <laughs> that would scare him off. But, but Abraham said, verse 8, God, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Did, did you hear that? That last phrase, they went both of them together. There's kind of like a bracket. It says they went both of them together uh, in verse 6. It says they went both of them together, verse 8. You know, it's a picture of just the father and son walking together, talking together about God. He leaves the servants behind, which makes you think, why does he do that? You know? <laughs> He's an old guy, but he insists on it being just him and his son walking together because this might be the last, last opportunity, last conversation, the last chance he has to talk to his son. And the last thing that he wants to say to his son, this father to his son, is to help him to understand that God will provide. You can trust God. I trust God, I will do everything that he says to me. But for Abraham, I think what he wants even more is for his son, for Isaac, to have that same faith as he has. There's something very touching about that, something very intimate about that. I'm not sure whether you have had like uh, family members, you know, uh, in their last moments before they move on, before they die, and you just want to have that moment with them, that last conversation to be able to say, I love you, and I'm here for you. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Um, this, this, this is kind of that moment between father and son, Abraham and his son Isaac. And remembering again how God describes Isaac before Abraham. Verse 2 again, take your son, your only son Isaac, your son whom you love. And we see here Abraham's love for his son. He wants to spend his time with him. But this love for his son results in him wanting his son to have a love towards God. You know, and, 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 and his son asks him a question which I think he does not have an answer to. <laughs> Dad, where's the sacrifice? Dad, you know, there's something missing here. You know, we don't have the thing that we need in order to come before God. What, what do we do? What, how are we going to solve this problem? And Abraham could have said, I don't know. <laughs> but he says something that's even more profound. He says, God knows. I can't do this. God will do this. I don't have the sacrifice. I don't have the answer. But God will provide for himself a burnt offering. Kind of like saying, it's God's problem, <laughs> not mine. And I think, again, um, answering that question, should we do everything that God tells us to do? And here is another kind of evidence, motivation to say yes. Yes, we should do everything that God tells us to do, not for our sake, but for the sake of the people we love. You know, here is Abraham trying to pass on that obedience, trying to almost infect his son with the same kind of eager expectation to do God's will. God's will. You know, trust God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing God's will. I want you, my son, my son whom I love, 
my son whom you know whom I want to have everything uh, inherit everything that I have I want you to inherit my faith in God and so yes yes you should do everything that God tells you to do not just for your sake but because the people who are watching you the people who love you who might not have that same faith in God as you do you know they're learning from your life what it means to obey God even when times are difficult Abraham doesn't have the answers but he wants his son to have the ultimate answer you know God trust him trust him yeah okay all right so should we do everything God tells us to do yes because it's God's word just do it yes because of God's people help them to obey God as well with your life of faith with your life of obedience but finally finally I think the answer is no <laughs> and this is possibly the unique answer that the gospel presents that Jesus Christ presents to us in the gospel that actually we don't do God's will in order to gain God's favor but actually God gives us his favor and enables us to do his will and so the answer ultimately is not is, is no <laughs> and God himself says no so verse 9 when they came to the place of which God had told them Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood <laughs> so imagine Isaac bound on the wood you know, tied up uh, and and you know the woods meant to be burned up I, Isaac is essentially about to be cooked on, on, on this huge barbecue that's that's what the altar is an altar is a place where meat is burnt up life is taken and it's offered up before God as a sacrifice verse 10 then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife took the knife and to slaughter his son but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am <laughs> his favorite face here I am this this readiness to answer God's call and this time God calls him very urgently Abraham Abraham is kind of like saying whoa hold it hold it hold it I want you to hear this and he says verse 12 do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him don't kill him you know God is telling him not to kill his son for now I know that you fear God seeing that you've not withheld your son your only son from me and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him was a ram uh, this animal caught in a thicket by its horns and Abraham went uh, took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son so yeah yeah so Isaac is not killed you know God says let him go and then suddenly he lifts up his eyes and he sees whoa hey there's that ram that's caught there and he sacrifices that ram that animal instead of his son Isaac verse 14 so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide as it is said to this day on the Mount of the Lord it shall be provided yeah so uh, I guess again going back to you know why there's this celebration uh, that Muslims have you know that God provided this substitute sacrifice for
for his son. So whew, <laughs> you don't have to kill your son. You know, God provides this animal to be killed in his place. Uh, but to answer that question again, so why? <laughs> why does God test Abraham in this way? And what if God tests us in this way? Should we do this? Should we go ahead with it? And I think uh, the answer is no. It's a very clear no. Because you see, the point of this sacrifice, of this obedience, at least from a Christian perspective, you know, speaking for myself as a Christian who believes that Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice, I think speaking from that perspective, we cannot earn God's favor through our obedience, no matter how obedient we are. And to the extent that even if we were so obedient before God, it wouldn't be, be enough. And instead, what happens here is kind of like a picture of that obedience and of that sacrifice that in the end, God gives on the cross. So what Christians believe is that all this, all this business about Abraham sacrificing his son, this father sacrificing his son, this father loving his son but putting him on the altar, is a picture of God the Father sacrificing Jesus Christ on the cross. And it means that Christians might be the most disobedient people you meet. <laughs> but if they trust that God will provide, if they have that faith of Abraham, if they trust that God is the one who provides the sacrifice, they have been freed of this death. They have been freed of this, this weight even of having to fulfill the sacrifice on their behalf because God provides it. Because God gives us the sacrifice through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, I, um, I was giving this talk a few days ago um, in the context of integrity, you know, about how important it is that we obey God, how important it is that we are the same person that obeys God, whether in church or in the workplace, whether in church or in our homes, that kind of thing. And the idea of integrity is that you're one, you know, you think of the word integer. You're the same person in and out of church in religious contexts or in the world, you know, you're not double-minded. You mean what you say and you say what you mean and you do what you say, that kind of thing. And here, it talks about not so much as Abraham's integrity, but God's integrity. And the big point of the gospel is that God is the one who's done everything to save us on the cross. You know, we don't have to be Abraham in the sense that we have to obey everything that God tells us to do, although that's a really, really good thing, and God enables us to do that. But if we fail, <laughs> if we aren't Abraham, you know, if, if, if you know, God tells us to do something and we don't do it, but if we then trust in God the same way that Abraham trusted God, then God upholds his integrity by saying, he has provided his sacrifice, and therefore we are freed. And I think, uh, uh, well, how do we see this? Well, why did Abraham go through with that sacrifice? You know, what, uh, what possessed him to, to think that, you know, he would have his son back? You know, earlier on he said, no, we'll come back together. What, what possessed him to think that? Actually, um, he, he, his son would be alive. And I know that here, some people will point to like Hebrews that talks about how he, he, he reasoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And so God was so powerful. And that, that could be true. I'm not saying that that isn't. 
But I think, I suspect that even Abraham did not know what God was going to do until the last moment. Until the last moment, God said, stop, stop, don't, 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 don't kill your son. I, I suspect that even Abraham wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I think behind that thinking, which is very, very risky, was Abraham again thinking, you know what? It's God's problem. It's God's integrity. God promised me that all the blessing would come through Isaac. God promised me that this son would be the son that would inherit everything that I have. And so, you know what? If God tells me to sacrifice him, <laughs> it's God's problem. God already made a promise. God still has to fulfill that promise. So either God raises him from the dead or God provides a substitute like an animal for Isaac, whatever it is, it's not my problem. It's God's problem. Because at the end of the day, it's not my integrity that secures my salvation, but it's God's. It's God's integrity that ensures that when he says we are forgiven through the cross, we are forgiven. Jesus Christ dies and we are alive, you know, we are alive. And you only have to think of, um, you only have to think of like maybe the most famous verse in all of the Bible. You know, think of John 3.16. Actually, it was John 3.16. <laughs> okay, let me remind myself. Okay, let's try this together. For God so loved the world, yeah, okay, so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah, so John 3.16. God so loved the world, that he gave his biggest love, his one and only son. He gave his son so that whoever believes in his son, you know, we do not perish, but we gain eternal life. Jesus perishes, I get life. Jesus is condemned and I am free. And you have to wonder, what is the most important concept or word behind John 3.16? You know, is it God? You know, God did this. You know, God is the true Abraham. God is the true father who sacrificed his son on the cross. And we see that. We see that in his story. Or maybe his one and only son that, you know, God is willing to put on the cross, not us who deserves his punishment and his judgment. We failed him and we deserve, you know, to be turned away from him. But no, God puts his one and only son the one whom he loves to die on the cross, the way that Isaac is put on the altar. You know, God puts Jesus Christ on the Son. Or maybe, you know, that we should not perish. That, you know, in the end, you know, Isaac is free. Isaac doesn't die, but the lamb dies. And so the lamb of God dies on the cross. And all of that, all of that, you know, is, is foreshadowed in the sacrifice of Isaac through Abraham. But I think, I think if you had to pick one word, and I'm stealing this from a guy named Philip Jensen, I didn't think of this, but uh, this, this, this pastor said, said once in a talk, said that the most important word in John 3.16 is the word so. For God so loved the world. How do we know that God loves us? So much. You know, this is how God loves us, by putting Jesus Christ, His one only Son, on the cross. Do you know that God loves you today? Do you feel it? Maybe not. Maybe you forget it. But God loves you so much nonetheless. He puts his son on the cross so that we might 
have this love poured out upon us through His Spirit and know that in Christ we are truly and fully loved in Him. So yeah, so, so back to the question, should we do everything that God tells us to do? Yes, yes, and no. <laughs> yes, it's God's word. We should do it. Yes, because, you know, there's something about that obedient life that displays the attractiveness and the reality that we live under God's headship. So yes, for the sake of the people we love, so that they will follow God as well. So yes and yes. But finally, no. No, because it's, it doesn't save us. You know, Christians do not obey God in order to be saved, but because they've been saved, because Jesus Christ has cleansed us and washed us, and now we have God's love through His sacrifice, because of His love, therefore we obey Him. Therefore, we even want to obey Him, even though we've failed again and again. He will receive us, He will love us, because He is the one who was sacrificial. He was the one who was obedient unto death, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And His obedience covers over our disobedience. His sacrifice covers over uh, us through His blood, and He cleanses us and brings us into relationship with God as sons and daughters of God. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's Genesis chapter 22. Just kind of like reflecting again about um, the coming celebration here in Malaysia about uh, Hari Raya, Idil Adha. And I, I think for us as Christians, you know, when you look at these sacrifices, I think it's a very powerful reminder about, you know, the cost of our lives, you know, the cost that God bore to give us this eternal life that we have. And I think um, there's something there that it's meant to help us, help us to see the value uh, that Jesus has his life on the cross. And maybe it's, it's something that we could share as well in terms of just what we believe and how we see um, Abraham's obedience and how it figures into ours as well. Um, yep, anyway, uh, it, as you can tell, it's kind of late uh, and I'm just... Um, thinking about stuff, yes, again, in the context of being here in Malaysia, just trying to understand how things are done here and just uh, trying to fit it into um, the perspective of the Bible and as a Christian as well. So I hope that was helpful for you. Uh, if you're celebrating Hari Raya, Salamat Hari Raya, Aidil Adha, and um, have a great day, take care, and God bless. Uh, bye. Shh.